Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Coming to you live on tape from week four of quarantine in rapidly gentrifying Culver City adjacent California from my basement boasting a lot of boxes we really haven't done much with the basement this is the Tully show I am your host Mike Tully Joining me today from an undisclosed location somewhere within the suddenly smog and traffic-free metropolis of Los Angeles, the host of Mark McGrath's 120, heard weekends on the 90s on 9 here on Sirius XM, the frontman of Sugar Ray and Cameo's number one celebrity for letting your lover down easy. Hello and welcome back, our dear friend Mark McGrath. What is up, Tully? How you holding up, my friend? I'm doing good. I think I've uh, I've embraced my coronavirus crazy. You know, yeah. I got I got loose and uh, and and this is the way it's gonna be. And uh, I, I don't know. I'm just uh, cabin fever and loving it. How about yourself? I, I'm finding out human beings are extremely adaptable. You know, at first I was like, "How's this gonna work? How's school gonna work?" I have nine year old twins, as you know, so there was a lot of anxiety and uh, ambiguity at the start, but you're starting to get a rhythm. It's kind of like you know, you, you know, when you spend uh, some time in prison or jail, and you have to program, nope. as they say. <laughs> You have to program to stay sane. You have to kind of do the same thing every day to get through it. And that's kind of what we're doing here in the McGrath household. We're used to being uh, locked up. Yeah, it's super prisony. Have you ever done any time? No, I did a night in Newport Beach jail once on uh, a little drunk and disorderly thing. Uh, believe it or not. Yeah. I'm sure you believe yeah, it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I know. I totally. <laughs> Mine was in Santa Barbara. Other than that, we probably have the exact same identical story. Yeah. Drunken shenanigans, and I, yeah, I was and a drunken public. Yeah. yeah, you think you're kind of a bad... I was trying to set a couch on fire in the middle yeah. of the street, Sounds which good. in Santa Barbara is a thing. It's legal. It Halloween, it's legal. And Halloween, it's legal. Well, it's, it's, it's not legal on whatever <laughs> day of the... Right. July or something. I had Somebody had just... It was a, this party had gotten very, very, very loose. Someone had taken a piece of duct tape and wrote, I am super cute on it, and then stuck it on my forehead right oh, before I went that outside. Good. That is good. And started dumping lighter fluid on an old couch in the middle of the street. It <laughs> happens. It happens in Isla Vista, man. And uh, yeah, except it was Isla Vista. And uh, yeah, you think you're a little bit of a badass until you spend a night in a holding cell eating horrible bologna sandwiches with legitimate badasses. Yeah, no, you 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 start regretting that tattoo you got. I was like covering my tattoo, going, "I'm the biggest pussy you know." It says Mercedes Benz. It doesn't say gangster. <laughs> <laughs> you notice my uh, you notice my my uh, my T-shirt. My, that was, I uh, love your T-shirt. The last time I saw you in the before times when people still congregated yes, yes. more than with I, I was definitely within six feet of you. I remember it like it was yesterday. I believe we even shook this, hands. We were even brazen this, enough to shake hands, Tully, I believe. You know? Oh, my God. And do you know what's happened since then? So you're wearing Circus Magazine, the T-shirt, the yes. classic, iconic hair metal, and before that, Arena Rock um, uh, tabloid magazine of record from the late 70s into late 80s. Somebody who worked at Circus um, started posting conspiracy theories about the COVID. You you were telling me that 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 site is now being used more for like conspiracy theories about banking, <laughs> and I didn't believe you. And now you told me, and I went on the site because I read the two magazines you got me. And yeah, my my biggest takeaway was seeing all the uh, they have all the touring schedules of like uh, uh, you know Molly Hatchet and the Outlaws, and Molly Hatchet played. The biggest takeaway I got from that, Molly Hatchet headline, Madison Square Garden, 1981. That blows me away for some reason. Them and the outlaws. People did not I, I, have a lot of entertainment options. Well, no, but just Molly Hatchet, bro. It just, it just kind of, it just blew me away. But then you were telling What's about the, the biggest Molly Hatchet song. Uh, well, uh, it depends who you ask. You know, they never really had a giant hit. Uh, take it to the city. Um, uh, the, the fans at home are killing me right now. There's, I, I, I'll, I'll come back to it, but they just weren't that legacy band, you know, that, that I would think, but there's back then the live game was the only game in town. You know, people went and saw live. If you had a gold record, you would headline arenas. You know what I mean? That was kind of the difference between now and today, you know? 
Uh, yeah, so the, the whoever's running the Circus Magazine Twitter, which me and 300 people around the world are following, <laughs> like, just without warning. And it was sort of creepy because there was that early period of time where everything got so unreal so quickly mm-hmm. that you didn't, you know, it was like when things go bump in the night. The the noise that would not have made given you any pause whatsoever during the day, all of a sudden you're like, I don't have to worry about that. Right. Do I? Isn't that crazy? All of a sudden all of a sudden Circus Magazine Twitter is talking about how there is no virus and uh when uh, Trump's wearing a yellow tie because it, when in 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 uh in the old times when a, a navy boat pulled into a port they would fly a yellow flag to say no one on sh- on the ship is uh sick and this is I mean really really heavy the first time I ever did cocaine I don't want to say this too loud I don't know how, how thick the walls are <laughs> in my house was with a guy who I worked with and he was, he was married to another guy and they invited me to try cocaine. And so I took them up on it and uh, was very curious to try that, went back to their apartment. And as soon as we did a little bit, they started telling me about how they were, they had moved to New York because they were actually um, like deities, like they were gods. And wow. they were, uh, yeah. And that they were supposed that the apocalypse was coming and that they were there to be among the judges of like the fate of humankind when the apocalypse hit. And it just realized that I was another one of them. And that was why we were, that was my introduction introduction to cocaine. I think I party with those guys. I think I know. Them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the downsides that's, are that's obvious. It, that's okay. getting thrown in the deep end. That's not yeah. just like do a line like I'm freaking out. I mean, that's like, you know, get a real yeah. deep conspiracy. And, you know, it, the circumstances are interesting, too, because, you know, cocaine can be a bit of a little sexual elixir and make you do things you don't want to do. Right. I got the I got the like, the same little tingle of like, oh, this is very <laughs> this is very, very bad in a way yeah. that I do not care for. It's like when the acid starts going bad. Yeah. Like that. If you've ever had that feeling in real life, that's what I got from my first time doing cocaine and the circus magazine Twitter account. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have not? Do they even post musical things anymore on circus? Or all it, they do, yeah, yeah, they do all. And then that's the thing. The post before it was like twenty third anniversary of Aerosmith's seminal "Toys in the Attic." Like it was like without warning, right, it went to like right. this thread <laughs> of like deeply detailed global conspiracy theory. Yeah, now I but, need uh, to find out who's running this thing. I totally, we have to go to a rabbit hole of like who runs the circus magazine Twitter. I it's, bet you it's. It's a it's a rock writer who's I mean who knows what his real name is but his writer name is probably like Mick Rocks yeah, with two yeah, X's like that's probably Ray Zell you know what I mean yeah. yeah yeah exactly the <laughs> the mastermind behind Circus's yeah. online presence so before we get into music I do have a topic as always um, what's like the scoop in the music business in the touring musician business no industry will be thrown for a loop much like yours and i'm sure you're privy to a little more buzz than the rest of us it's probably the last business and you can you can throw in sports well i mean sports is going to recover differently because sports are going to be uh you know they'll start up without audiences can't really have a concert without audiences so i think my business the uh the music business the live entertainment business in particular will be the last sector of the economy to recover. And my bread and butter is doing private gigs and corporate gigs. That's about 70% of my income. That will definitely be the last thing to recover because no corporation is going to put their, you know, their, 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 their employees from around the world into one city and just have sugar a play. I mean, the, 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 the risk reward of that is very, yeah. very high. So with all due respect to <laughs> your art. It might not be worth it. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. so like, I, I think that's what is scary. And a lot of the, the agencies, well, we're CAA, so we're pretty to like kind of the best knowledge on the streets. A lot of people are saying, well, we're going to move our summer tour to the fall with a wink, wink, that pending, that, that but it, that's to be announced. I think the entire live concert industry, I don't want to bum anybody out. This is my opinion. I don't think anything's going to start up again until 2021. I don't, or at least till there's a vaccine. That is my personal opinion. No one's told me that. But seeing the way the wind is blowing and the way tours are being postponed and rescheduled, I think that's going to be the most likely scenario. That doesn't mean people aren't going to start playing in the fall, but the summer to me has been completely clean. You're not going to see a show this Yeah, summer. yeah. We're all... Yeah. So, so good news. 
<laughs> you know, and I just I guess we all just keep telling ourselves, you know, they, at one point Londoners live with Nazi bombs falling on their head every night and came out the other side yeah. of it. So uh, this. Yeah, it's all relative, dude, like you said. And, and, and I was telling you before we came on, you know, I've never felt so grateful for what I do. I think uh, Tom Kiefer from Cinderella said it best. You don't know what you got till it's gone. You know, and I will quote some of the great American poets with, with no problem. Um, and, and I'm really great. He was, really, he was the laureate, I'm really I believe, grateful. in the late 80s. Yeah, I believe he was a Nobel laureate. I believe he was. But I, I truly, and you know, I've always been super grateful and, and self-effacing, humble, and very lucky to where I am. But when it's taken away from you completely, and my economics are taken away, my the way I earn a living's taken away, man, I just feel really lucky for what I do. And I've got a whole new sort of respect and uh, being, and being grateful for what I do. So I'm looking forward to getting back. We all will get back and we will return to normalcy sometime. Uh, but this has really been shaking everybody's trees and it's, it's, it's been difficult for everybody. And it doesn't matter your socioeconomic background. Everybody's being affected exponentially the same, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. Uh, well, I think people need entertainment, comfort food these days. Yes. And uh, I think that's where you and I can commit. I think that we can be a public service to to several thousand Americans and Canadians who are yeah. listening to this. Um, I mean, you and I both tuned out of popular culture effectively a couple decades ago, so we can make this a very not contemporary show. Yes, absolutely. Something we're good at. Yeah, you know exactly. what I, mean? I think I turned out the lights in about 2003. <laughs> you know what I mean? I only listened to AM radio and that's it. You know, once <laughs> I wasn't part of the, I'm so narcissistic. Once I wasn't part of the entertainment landscape, I, I was, you know, I waited till Sharknado came out to turn the TV on again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I think what we're going to do today I have very very limited work time I've been doing the best with the limited not baby not Jason Ellis show time that's left to me um, I, I wasn't able to prepare something new but you know, when you and I talk so often we talk so much that we don't get to the thing that we plan to do so I've got some, uh, some leftovers for us to attend to Great. it's more one hit wonders failed follow ups Mm-hmm. And it's one of my favorites. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, it's mine as well. And it's more from the uh, the decade where you were truly paying attention during the 1990s. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. And uh, this song. Tully, thank you for staying on, though, dude, with the Jason Ellis show. I mean, I, it's it's great. You are right. We need entertainment. And, and Sirius XM in particular has been very great getting their shows up and running and entertaining the masses. So. Thank you, and thank you to Jason. I mean, thank you for saying that. I, I it, A lot of people are saying that, and it makes me feel incredibly very silly because we do have the easiest job in the world, and we're very, very happy to do it. It's been frustrating. We've had a lot of technological stuff, and there's sometimes where yeah, I'm talking, and just in the middle, we're having a conversation, and then I, the first five things I say are fine, and then the sixth one, I hear it in the air headphones like eight seconds later, and I'm like, oh. all I want to do – and you know what it is? Because all of our houses, we're using. I'm using my home internet for this. Yep, so is everybody else who lives in my neighborhood who who started working at home three days ago too. And Absolutely. I find it very very frustrating that the stuff that's outside of my hands um, is outside of my hands. But when it's working, I'm I'm so happy to have something to do. Of course, I'm beyond insanely grateful to to have a job, and it does feel good to um, to be able to be a normal part of you know, people's lives in these very, very abnormal times. Uh, it gives people a beacon of normalcy, you know, like hearing you guys. Okay. You know, you, I hear you every day when, and when things are normal, mm-hmm. it just gives you a sense of comfort yeah. and, and routine. So I think it's a, uh, it's great. That you guys are working hard under the technological circumstances. So our hats being a fan of the show is off, off to you fellas. I appreciate that. And ladies. And, uh, and, uh, and, and your cameo still is, uh, is, is keeping <laughs> many people, it's keeping the nation uh, inspired. <laughs> I mean, I don't like to paint with that brush, but I will if I have to. <laughs> it was funny. Cameo is my only source of income. God bless it. I mean, ironically, I signed up for fun to be a fun thing to do, make a couple bucks. But it's keeping my it's keeping my kids fed right now. Yeah. Well, thank goodness for Cameo. There you go. And by the way, a lot of people are signing up now. Now you know, like the oh, stigma yeah. of Cameo is kind of going away now. You know, so, you know uh, who did that. <laughs> Yes, of you're course. the patron saint of cameo. Of you, course, <laughs> you took the bullet. I still have the, for everyone. I still have the most. I know I did. I, I laid on it, and I've got the most viewed cameo of all time. So uh, you get everybody safe, you know. So the first failed uh, follow up single from a one hit wonder. This is actually an album that maybe I was 
yearning for a simpler time. I, I woke up hungover on Sunday morning. I was hanging out with my baby, letting my uh, my wife sleep. And I just put this album on because this was an album that I don't know if I listened to it top to bottom, but I used to routinely listen to at least the first side of it in its entirety. This is a band that is a complete one hit wonder that I, it, it, to me at least had one decent album. Uh, see what you think about this. You know, that doesn't, the voice means a lot. Mm-hmm. It sounds a lot like Kim Deal to me, the readers, but I know it's nope. not. It, it, it's, it's an American band. I know that. It's definitely not. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not um Transition Vamp, is it? Nope, that's a name I've heard that I should look into. You know what? Elastica? No, it's not Elastica. They they're a solid little band. Uh They're great little outfit. Should I listen to outfit. KMFD KMFD? No. No. <laughs> no. But I, listen, I call, call me crazy. I like melody uh-huh. and choruses uh-huh. and structure. I don't like industrial racket, like with like, you know, nine inch nails going through your forehead. Okay. You know so what I mean? Like, but if that's your thing. Is it like skinny it's, puppy? It's, it's acid house, but it's like, it's the, it's, you know how, um, I've said this before, like spicy tunas, like your intro into sushi. Mm-hmm. KMFD is your intro into that industrial world. Okay. You know what I mean? I, I, it's just not for me. I know people love it. I know they, uh, they burned a million pounds of their own money. There's a lot no, of that's like. that's the KLF. Oh, it's KLF. That's right. That's right. Well, I, I, I I'm, I'm, I, 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 re, I reveal my own ignorance, but they are in the same ballpark. KLF's a little more popular than KMFD, whatever it yeah. is. But I, I've just never got into that British industrial through way of Chicago house. You know what I mean? It was never my 100%, thing. 100%. I, you and I, it's, it's the same thing. I, I, I need songs. And yeah, how, I need melody. Call me and crazy. however you dress it up, it, you, you, you can you can go pretty far outside of the box and still do a song. But once you stop, once you're more of a sound than a song, I, there's nothing for me to sink my teeth into. I'll give you the dumbest reason why I ask you that question because I had never seen the Jack Black movie School of Rock until this mm-hmm. weekend, and we're looking for things I haven't that are fun for the whole family. Well, there's a movie that's fun for the the whole family, so we we watch that, and Jack Black is like this generic rock loving character so he has stickers in his house of every band of every subgenre that no one on earth has ever loved all those bands at the same time it's just like (laughs) zeppelin stones the smiths you know like just crazy shit the cure yeah exactly and in there was kmfd or whatever and i'm just like you know i'm very familiar with all these other stickers that he's got in his (laughs) next to his futon I have seen that sticker many times without ever spending any time with them. I wonder if I should check that out. But I figured I, I now I don't even feel like I need to. I feel like that was probably the set director's pet yeah. little thing they threw in yeah, there. You know maybe. what I mean? Because they never had any commercial yeah. viability uh-uh. here. Never really. But getting back to that, yes. the, the, the gals, mm-hmm. uh, who was that? Okay, here. Uh, that was the... The voice sounds so familiar to me. Yeah, Um the she does those little vocal hiccups those are sort of a signature yeah. thing that were on display on their signature hit i touch myself oh the vinyl mm-hmm. oh australian australian, australian duo duo i'm telling you that album is okay that song was never going to make it as a single and everybody associated with it was well you can always tell when a band has a massive one hit and they still don't spend any money on the video for the follow-up? I think I'm familiar with that. Oh. I'm very familiar with that. Oh, come that. on. <laughs> oh, when Fly yeah. hit, and then we had RPM was the follow. Mm-hmm. It was like, it didn't stand a chance. So that the budget of the video went way down. I mean, you could tell when the record company's not into yeah. it. And uh, But I Touch Myself is such a superior song. It's a great song. Such such a great... Now that that song where you played right there sounded great. And I... I the, the Divinals have been around a long mm-hmm. time. They they were, ironically, one of the first bands played on MTV during that first year oh, that in, so? in 81. Yeah. They, and uh, I, I remember, uh, I can't remember the name of the song. I'm getting older. I'm forgetting things. But a little a fun trivia fact about that Divinals video, I touch myself. Randy, um, Randy, the bass player for Pennywise, 
plays bass in that in that video because they needed to make a video and they wanted to have a band set up and they just got Randy somehow and he's playing bass in that Touch Myself video for the no bass player Pennywise. Shit. Yeah, so, I know I know Randy. Fun little I know Randy a little bit. Yeah, because yeah. they because uh, they are a duo. The Divinals, I think they went in and out of members yeah. and they finally settled on the duo. So they had a touring band, but I guess the touring band wasn't in the the video. That's right. So I don't know how Randy got hooked up with mm-hmm. it, but I remember it was like a big deal because we're like, oh my God, Randy's Randy, Randy made it. He's on MTV. <laughs> Nicest guy ever though. What's up? Randy? Yeah. Um, you know, what's crazy about, I touch myself. I was thinking about it, listening to it. That song starts with the pre-chorus and then goes into the chorus. And then there's a verse. And I can't think of another song I've ever heard that follows that structure. Cause it's, I love myself. I want you to love me when I feel down. I want you above me. That's the pre-chorus. That's the first thing you hear. Yeah. They, well, they do. They did. They, they do the little uh, like the Peter Gunn build up. The dun, 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 yeah, yeah, dun, yeah, dun. yeah, right. As soon as the band yeah. kicks in, I love myself. I want you to love me. I love myself. And then I don't want anybody else. It's the chorus. And then the verse is, is that's the verse that comes after the chorus. Exactly. I didn't even know that. It's a pre-chorus, wow. a chorus, a verse, a pre-chorus, a chorus, and they're out. You know what's amazing about that? That is arrangement. If that song was arranged any different way, nobody it might. If it started with the verse, nobody would have made it to the it, chorus. It might. That that's how crazy arrangements are, and that's where that's where songs get ruined in the studios. You just can't you can't crack the code to make the arrangement work as a hit. Exactly. That's the difference between a good song and a hit song. Right there, that's a perfect example. Whoever whoever produced that and figured that out, I don't know if it's the band did or producer, great call. It's a great song. Exactly, exactly. I I I I I eat that kind of stuff up. Yeah, I love so it. So let me see. Here's another one that uh is a one hit wonder. A very, very famous performer, but I think undis- indisputably a one-hit wonder. Um, you're gonna know it, but it was not. It was not a hit. It's a. It's a good song, and it's a good performer too. Here we go. Okay, that was a hit song to me. That's a hit song. It was a hit song out here in California. Well, Sinead O'Connor, of course. Sinead O'Connor, who peaked at number sixty with the Emperor's yeah. New Clothes. That that was a, that was that was after um, the parent Prince song. After um, nothing compares to I you. So. That was the follow up. Well, it definitely. Okay, I can recall that came out in nineteen ninety. I can recall that being on MTV and that getting the push as them trying to breathe life from the embers of the preceding one. Again, this might be the thing of where it had been released and they re released or and something like it. that. But that was definitely the thing that they used because it was. I, I remember listening to the album. I do not want what I haven't got, and I. I think it was one uh-huh. of these albums that was not really a pop, a classically pop radio album. And that was the only other thing that was on there that sounded like a pop song. That song where she actually says the emperor's new clothes is only at the end of the song. You don't see a lot of successful, you know, I mean, don't stop believing pulled it off. It can be done, but you don't see a yeah, whole yeah. lot of hit songs that only do the chorus once and only after three minutes. Or it's almost like an outro, yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? Like paradise, paradise city has that, mm-hmm. that, that feel, That's right. you know, um, um, uh, killing in the name of has that rating ra- against the machine. Sure. You know, sometimes you just ride that great outro. Mm-hmm. But um, but to me, that, that's that's a hit song. It's ironic that it only got to number sixty because it's a hit song to me. You know, it's like not even like obscure, but I understand it being obscure in the annals of history and revisionist history, if you will. You know, yeah, you know, so I because that that video got played on MTV a lot. It did. I remember seeing it, it. Did well. Do you know why? And I think I know why. You just forget about stuff. You get away from these things, and you, you, you boil right. things down to these one little note, so you can put them away in your brain with all the other stuff we're all trying to hold on to. Especially nowadays in our information overload culture, you go back and you you flesh your memory out. She was such a distinctive performer. She was stunning to look at. I, I believe stunning. the story with with the shaved head thing, if I've heard, and, and this all fits with the person we've kind of known her to 
evolve into over the years is so she'd had an album or two before that right the first record was like a lion and the ghost or something like that that's yeah. right and she did have a song that you'll still hear on first wave from time to time she had a song mm-hmm. that was like an all pop hit it was catchy in its own way and what i remember hearing at the time of no reason to doubt it is that she felt like she was being molded into this cookie cutter pop chanteuse and was like well if i shave my head you're not going to be able to do that and guess when she shaved her head that the night before the re- the filming of their first video. This is, this is a true story. That's a difficult artist. So, <laughs> so and I mean, look, she's stunningly beautiful no matter what, yes. you know, you know, but you're right. She was being like, you know, she was being like, she was being molded in the, in the, in the Natalie Merchant, um, you know, uh, Edie Brickell, yes. like, you know, like just sort of Stevie Nicks of today with the, and then she just said, nope, I'm shaving my head and I'm just going, mm-hmm. I'm going that way. Yeah. I'm going Manson family member. <laughs> uh, and, and it worked. It worked for her though, bro. It really did. I think ironically, it made her more beautiful and made her stand out more. Yes. That to me. It made her, I think you're, you know, you're absolutely she's right. Just, she's just another pretty girl without having done that. And, and so I, I, you know, queued up that video, um, so that we could listen to it here on the show. But it suggested that I watch Nothing Compares to You, some live performance from 1990. And you go and you see that and you forget, <sighs> she's a spaz. I mean, her physical mannerisms are incredibly spastic and, 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 ever vary just when she gets you get used to her doing one weird thing with her hands she starts doing a weird thing with her body but you can't take your eyes off it she ends up being this really mesmerizing and and the singing she's going in and out of being as good as the record or better than the record to what the fuck were you even trying to do right there i mean just an absolute live wire of of a performer i think that like you know the epitome of an artist you know she's unpredictable i mean i i, I do believe she has since as we've known suffered from mental illness yeah. you, you know what i mean i mean there's a lot there's a lot of depth to sinead o'connor you, you you know what i mean i think if when you paint her as a one-hit wonder which a lot of the world does yeah. i understand that and as we both talked about it a one-hit wonder sometimes is a negative connotation to, to me it's like i can't believe we ever had a hit with the luckiest people in the world yeah. but the verve in this country are considered one-hit wonders <laughs> and, to, I love and to me how hung up on this that is are. a crime against it what's well, a crime against music <laughs> richard ashcroft is one of our brian wilson's of our generation uh-huh. You know, and the fact that like he gets bought, he gets like, you know, bounded up in these now packages with Len and, you know, you, you know what I mean? It just, he's the, the, the verb is so much more than that, but Wait. that's the luck of the draw, you know? Wait, what? And that's Sinead O'Connor. She, she's such an amazing artist with so much depth and layers, you know? Wait, what band name did you just say? Len. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Let me hear a little bit. Yeah, it kind of felt Dude. like we might have been going somewhere and then we never really got there. I think they heavily re- relied on that uh, that more, more, more sample, mm. and uh, that's them left to their own devices. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's what's the crazy part: I Sugar Ray was at the peak of our powers back then when Lens uh, when Lens single hit, which is gigantic. St- steal know? my sunshine, um, steal my yeah, sunshine. Sure, yeah. For those of you who don't know. Um, so I've never even heard that follow up. Okay. Now I was all over the radio, listening to radio, watching MTV, never saw the video. Were you watching a video right there? No. Um, totally? no, that is, I no. think even from the Len YouTube channel and it's just a still of the album cover. You can't stop the bum rush. Like I think even the label went, yo, let's not even make a video. You got, and this is the age of videos. This, uh, there just wasn't, it sounds like a song. It, it, I don't want to diss the guys because I don't, I don't know them. And I, I, I do like Still My Sunshine. I think it's a, a beautiful pop song. That just, that's just filler, that song, bro. You know, and look, I've written a lot of it. So I, I know, I know filler when I hear it. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, what, what are your, what's your vibe in that? There's, put it this way. It's not a surprise I've never heard the song. No, 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 no. It's not very good. I love Steal My Sunshine. I also put this on the list uh, because recently that just, 
that not the song popped into my head, the existence of that song popped into my head of like, oh my God, remember oh. when that thing was a thing? And there's some that you go back to and you listen to and you're like, oh my God, it's even better than I remember. And there's some you go back yeah. to and you go, that was cute. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it was yeah. all 90s vibe. And they were, they were, uh, I, I keep on coming back to this thing Healy Lewis said about the news of where, cause he'd been kicking around for a while. He was in some other band, right? Clover or something before he, before Clover. he hit, yep. Good one. that Clover. he's like, yeah, that band. he's like, uh, we caught a wave. And it's like, it just, that phrase really clicked with me that sometimes people are just, it, Len, even at the time, reminded me of, I had a girlfriend. My first girlfriend was, was cool. She was really cool. And all of her friends were just like really, really cool. And I don't mean cool as a pejorative. I don't mean as like they thought they were cool and just they cool. weren't. They were just naturally cool. Just effortlessly there cool. There was a guy right? who was her friend who was a drummer who had a drum kit set up in his living room and he would do concerts over there. And I find out a few years later that that was the band that was already morphing and evolving into the Mooney Suzuki, who were the coolest band oh, out of New York. Of Apparently, I went to early Mooney Suzuki gigs in this guy's living room. They were just the cool kids. And when you heard Steal right. My Sunshine, it was that essence of early 90s cool distilled into music over a disco sample. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was people that had tastes yes. that maybe weren't the greatest musicians right. in the world. Yeah. And that's what sampling gave a lot of people careers. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They truly did. Yeah. Um, and also, a lot of the 90s technology was developing. Developing A lot of the technology we're still used today was developing in the 90s. Pro Tools. Yeah. You know, um, all these things that let people that maybe had great ideas that were tastemakers, let them sing. Yeah. You know, because look. We understand if you're not in perfect pitch, we've got a thing called auto-tune. It's going to make you sound great. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we've got a thing called Pro Tools. Well, we're, we'll put your med, your, you know, your, your, how you're off key will make you on key. So it's the reason why I'm talking to you. You know, so, so mediocre average musicians were kind of getting over in the nineties. Yeah. And some of us are still playing today. And, uh, well, maybe next year anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the fluky nature of hit music. I keep coming back to the conversation that I had with Desmond Child, who is a guy that you bring in to give you a hit. If you work with Desmond, everybody knows he's nobody's going to bat a thousand, but if you work with him and he doesn't give you something that is at least a single, he has failed at his job and he won't continue to be Desmond Child for very long if that happens too often, you know? That's and right. then you have all the other ones where just magic pixie dust has to fall into the room for somebody like Alen. The story that I read about that song is that the guy made it and put it in a box and put it under his bed and forgot about it for a few months. And then somebody's like, oh, what's that thing? And that's how it ends up being the only song anybody knows them for. They didn't even know what they had. Right. It's just all these serendipitous yes. events that just kind of happen. Divine Intervention kind of comes down and helps out. Right. You know, right. I, it's funny. I went down a Len K-hole last week because uh, – <laughs> TMZ, you know, TMZ there's a, does, there's a you know, thing on Reddit that's called brand new sentence. Whenever somebody finds yeah. somebody has written a combination of words that make sense in the English language, but they're pretty sure have never been said in that order before. I love that. I yeah. went down a Len K hole is <laughs> a strong contender. I've never even heard that. That's, that's an amazing thought. You know, you learn something new every day. But TMZ did this like member them thing. Yeah. You know, they show like a fate and then they show so day. here yeah. they are today. Right. Yeah. And, and they, the, the, the guy, I guess his name's Mark Costanzo, mm -hmm. the lead singer of Len. They had him last week. And I go, oh, what happened to those guys? So I went down a Len K-hole and, and I tried to find a live version of anything. I couldn't find them playing live in anything. And I don't know why. A, I mean, they must have. Yeah. They must have performed on like whatever the David Letterman was in Canada. I know they're Canadian. Oh, they? I, mean, I just, I never, yeah, I didn't see a live version of anything from them. So it's just kind of crazy. That's very strange. A brother sister act. Brother sister act, indeed. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. So, um, so cheers to Len. No, 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 uh, you know, we love that. Uh, Still My Sunshine, one of the iconic songs. Hey, I left it on my playlist. I'm not taking it off or anything. I just said it didn't hold up quite as well. Yeah, it's a really, really, really fun but, song. But if it makes you feel good, I mean, that's music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And if you're still in a little bubbles of like music defining yeah. you, well, then I feel bad for you. Uh, when uh, – uh, God, I follow her on Twitter. I see her every day. Who's the, the fun one from the Bengals? Uh, Susanna Hoff. Thank you very much. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, when uh, she pops up on Walk Like an Egyptian and that song just goes to another level, that's what happens on Len when the sister comes in with yes. her verse. Exactly. It just you know, feels pop doesn't good. Have to, 
It just feels good. Yeah. That's it. Right. And by the way, speaking of feels good, I mean, Susanna Hoffs looks the same and she's 60 years old. Dude. She is an angel on this earth. Dude, I don't even want to get creepy here, but. <laughs> it's the place to do she, it, dude. I'm not going to say it, but she came in for a, a session on Sirius some time ago when we were in the the little studio, the original studio over at the Swing House Studios. Uh-huh. And it was it was I, I wasn't I was obviously totally uh, appropriate, but it was like wow, this isn't she's this isn't the artist formerly known as Susanna Hoff. No. This is oh my god, she's she's still got it. And I saw the Bengals play at the at the House of Blues before it closed, and they've still got it. She's still got it. There's something very very cool about a, a pop rock band that plays in dresses. But can really play their yeah. Rickenbackers and their Gretsch drums Absolutely. and stuff like that. She puts on that black and white Rickenbacker man, and, and it's just like oh, the world is right. Eternal, for eternal flame minutes. holds up, and it's, yes. it's really, really fun. And she sounds perfect. She sounds great, and they're still singing the same keys. Or may she married Jay Roach? You know, Jay Roach's a director of uh, Austin Powers. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. You no know, longer, to, yeah, no longer together. That, I keep tabs on. <laughs> oh, they're not together anymore. So. so you're saying we got to yeah, change? You're back in business. um well yeah pop music at its best is very 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 fun fun is not an adjective that i would have ever used to describe this next act right here see if you can guess this next 1990s uh one hit wonder failed follow-up single Give me a little little tiny clue. Okay, let me think. The I, voice sounds yes, so Yes, it does. Familiar. It does. The pre-chorus to me, it would be very, very hard to guess. The chorus got a lot closer to the signature hit because it had the same grading. Was it Deep Blue something? Yes, because it had the same gratingly affected faux British pompous accent as Breakfast at Tiffany's. I was waiting for you to say English band, yeah, you know, right. and I go, well, that, that'd be too obvious. And I go, I know that voice. Mm-hmm. And then it just took me a second because I'm getting older. Yes. But Deep Blue something. And it's very. That's their MO to song. Oh, my God. You know, and they nailed it on Breakfast at Tiffany. They did not invent that guy. I disliked that guy even before they came along being that guy. Why do I feel very, I feel very similar. I feel the whole package didn't work for me. It's put upon. It's not even a British thing. It's actually like a pompous fake Irish thing. Now, and I said, "What about?" And also with them, little proclaimers in there, isn't there? Well, yeah, but I mean, they've got an excuse. They're from there, you know. They're stuck with that accent. Um, Wait, are they? No, no. I are, mean, these guys. Deep blue. Where's deep blue? Something. I don't from? know. Like, like Pennsylvania, Schenectady. Or are they? Are they not? Am I wrong? If they're from, they are American. If they're from, uh, um, see, I think they have they're to not be. Scottish. Um, it would actually make me hate them less if they were from somewhere else because <laughs> the thing I, I actually didn't think Breakfast at Tiffany. No, they're an American rock band. They're from Denton, Texas. Because Texas? Wow. Yeah, that's a deep Texas twang on there. Because <laughs> I don't think it was my imagination. I think it, I knew and everybody knew that I said, what about Breakfast at Tiffany? Okay, the chorus is insufferable because the chorus is about – The verses are great though. You say you we've say got something between us. There's oh, nothing man. being – I, I, I just – I think it's, it's, it's a nice piece of pop right there to me. I understand yeah. that you're just saying okay, I okay, get okay. It. It's music. He's saying that he read – the Truman Capote book. And she's like, well, I saw the Audrey Hepburn movie. So even right there, it's incredibly <laughs> condescending. He's just like, okay, it is. I guess you're kind of smart enough to be my girlfriend. Right. And it's the guy that reads books in Starbucks. Exactly. You know what I mean? Precisely. <laughs> and, um, and he does say, right. Well, that's one thing we got. <laughs> Which was so how smart is ins- he? Insuff- well, that was a slang thing at the time. That was an insufferable '90s slang thing that he was doing the biggest Denton, Texas, fake Irish accent air quotes he could possibly throw around. <laughs> there are a lot of layers to yeah. that, man. You are breaking it down. Yeah, totally. I did not. You are breaking it down. I did not care for them uh, very much at all. 
and they disappeared very quickly. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, along with like kind of a Len thing as well. Yeah. You know, they came in, the gigantic hit, and just out of here immediately. Well, you know, like they had a, they had a six month career. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, which is very interesting and almost very hard to do back in the nineties. If they let you in the nineties, they let you stick around a little I bit. Hope, you know I hope I hope they mean? enjoyed it. I really, really, I sincerely do. I don't care for their music. I don't think I would like them personally, and it doesn't matter. I really hope they'd enjoyed it because you hear so many stories of you know, the the bass player and fuck the singer's chick or whatever and and they couldn't stand each other when it was happening and before they knew it it was over and i i sincerely right. hope that when you get um a moment like that one that you don't deserve as much as many uh, other people who have hit songs i hope you had the fucking time of your life i really really do oh without a doubt you know obviously they probably got on david letterman yep. they have great memories they beat the odds yeah. they had a hit single mm-hmm. i mean my hat is off to them i've got whether i you know, i've got tons of respect for them that way yeah. But a lot of things happen too, Tully, besides the drugs, the sex, and all that. They figure out all of a sudden you see a publishing check come in. And you know, and someone's like, I don't know, I don't know who wrote that or who didn't write it or how many people are involved, yeah. but that happens a lot of time. You see, wait, I was in the room and you and you wrote the song and I kind of came up with the bass part, you didn't give me any credit, and then money is the root of all evil. That destroys every band sooner or later, unless you're you two, the or, or like, you know, Aerosmith, where you're like, well, I'll, I'll take six million instead of 12 million. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's a lesser of two incredible evils. Yeah. You know what I right, mean? Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, so that's why those legacy bands stay together. You're like, wow, you two stick together for four, you know, for all these years. It's great. You think everybody can't wait to be in a room with Bono on that band? You know, with all due respect, you know, you know what I mean? It's just like the money is just so good. Mm-hmm. But, but but people put up with thirty thousand dollar a year jobs being in a room with ten people they can't stand. So it, it's you know it's it's all relative. It is all relative. Um, we uh, I- and I'm assuming the guys in you too. I mean I, I don't know them. Maybe they all love everybody. I was just using them as a, an example. I don't want uh, to get a call from Bono or. Or Guy Osiri, their manager. He's got a lot of time on his hands these days. If you were ever going to get an angry call from him because of disparaging words said <laughs> on this show, unfortunately, he's just – That would be a win, right? That would be a win. He's snowed in in Dublin. He's been drinking Guinness and Harp for like four straight weeks and he's like, I've had about enough. <laughs> McGrath. <laughs> get McGrath on the phone. Get McGrath on the phone. <laughs> Let me see. I, I mean, they had that deep, they deep blue something had that jingly jangly Rickenbacker guitar thing down, didn't they? Yeah. They sure did. They sure did. And that's, that's about all they had. Hey, this guy was uh, for sure a one hit wonder and a rather notorious one. I wonder if you'll be able to identify his failed follow up single. Nope. Well, that was the one, the only snow and bomber. You know, so down the snow, me, I go blam. I lick it, boom, boom, down. Detect the many cinnamon, down the snow, must have someone down the land. That just happened! So, wait, I'm. <laughs> okay, I was never clear if, if Snow knew the words to Informer. <laughs> And even though you just, even though you just acapella them, it's not clear to me if you know the words. I don't. I don't. I just know the sounds, man. I studied that song, but I actually like. There's a follow up song to Snow called uh, that that came out after Informer. Girl, I've been hurt and I need another lover. You are my girl. That's what this is supposed to be. Is that the song? Maybe it's just. Was that the version? Is that is that is the name of that song? Girl, I've been hurt. Yeah, I mean that, that that got a little run on MTV, okay. and what did it get on the charts, Tully? That is, does it say? I'll have to I'll have to look that up. Um, it was not a hit. Mm. It was not a hit. But MTV, because the because obviously Informer was so gigantic, number one, that got pushed into the masses. So we heard it, you know, but it had no staying power. I mean, I, I doubt it cracked the top forty. Let's see. You of course recall the uh, name of the album, right? Uh, inform, um, um, uh, 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 u
two third meters. two thirds of a meter, twelve meters of snow. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's in Toronto, man, and like yeah. apparently there's a lot of dance hall folk. I mean, he's a real deal guy, and he, he went away. Okay. Yeah, he went away, but he didn't go away like I quit. He went to like really underground reggaeton, reggae. You know, he's really respected in the in the community. You know? Okay, I'll have to take your word for that. Girl, <laughs> I have been her. Okay, yeah, no, you're right. Technically, it peaked at number 19 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. I usually limit these to top 20 hits, so I guess I can't. Ex- Bro, number 19's a hit to me. If you got to number 19, you're going to know the song. So, uh, I mean, largely that got to 19 off the strength and the plays of an of, uh, Informer. But, you know, I remember, I remember the video, too. I also think, you know, I hate to say it, but it is – so true. I think that the the media machine was really apt to get behind a white dude who could do hip hop when they realized that hip hop wasn't going away. I think if they they thought, well, you know, we just need a Vanilla Ice or his Canadian equivalent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he did. He flipped it and had a, the patois. It was first first white guy to really uh, come through the doors that we accepted. Mm-hmm. With the with the Jamaican you know dance hall patois. I can't think of one before that. Can you? <laughs> no, nor since. Yeah, there's been a couple since. Really? Like Kali, Kali Buds, you know, I mean, maybe not, maybe not giant hits, but some underground okay. stuff. Okay. You know, I mean, not, not, not number one, like Informer. I was gigantic. Um, this guy had a gigantic hit. I'm definitely guessing that it went to number one. If not, it was, uh, it was, it was top five for sure. And his follow up single, uh, didn't do very much. Nonetheless, I'm almost positive you'll be able to instantly identify the artist. Okay. It's true, we are new, it has become an issue. Let's all believe on fast, we won't miss you. It's our tradition, we're we're conditioned. We outlast the competition. So listen, we don't care too much about kissing. No, we don't just what you've been missing. Hope we're straight on love. We don't put up with stunts, stunts. Baby, you know what we want. Rico, suave. Yes. The OG Gerardo. Gerardo. With his, his, uh, he tried his best. He dug deep to get himself a follow up hit with a cover of We Want the Funk. Yeah, We Want the Funk. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that. That might have even charted, right? Well, let's see was- how Gerardo did with We Want the Funk. I, the music video does have a cameo from George Clinton blessing this thing. I do remember that, and I, I and I remember, you know what's funny? Gerardo, actually, smart guy, became an AR guy. I believe he signed Enrique Iglesias. Do you know that? Mm-mm. Yeah, he he's, he was really influential and in ushering in that second wave of Latin, you know, Ricky Martin, Ricky Iglesias, uh, that whole thing. So yeah, he he he's a real deal A and R guy. I always like. What does it mean when you say you discovered Enrique Iglesias? Like he was in he was. It means you and thirty other guys <laughs> discovered him. It's Julio Iglesias' was, model, gorgeous son who was out there desperately trying to get a deal. It's like saying you discovered Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, no, you're right. But, you know, there's also the stigma of being Julio Iglesias' son, too. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, so it, it, there, it was also another perfect timing thing, like with Len. The Latin explosion was right there, and he just got swooped up and, and had enough talent to stay relevant. I mean, listen, Ricky Martin and Julio Iglesias were going to tour the – I mean, Julio and Ricky Iglesias were going to tour this summer. And they were doing stadiums, yep. you know, and, and everywhere around the world, except they were doing arenas here so. They've, they've, they've turned into legacy artists. You know, there's a lot of people that didn't make it, uh, that were really trying to, uh, ride that Latin wave. But I think Gerardo, who we're speaking about right now, was, he was, he definitely was an A&R guy. And I know he might have signed Ricky Martin too. He might have signed them both. I'm not sure. Let me see. So I am mistaken again. We want the funk actually. Uh, peaked at number 16 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. I don't remember that making any impression on on the culture, really. No, and again, that's another thing, writing the extreme popularity of uh, an iconic song. You know what I mean, dude? Also, how long was it number 16 for? A week? And then fell back to 48? Yeah. I mean, that probably had a quick descension down the charts. So, there you go. Um, Gerardo was... Uh, well, even before he was a successful singer, he made an appearance in the 87 feature film Can't Buy Me Love, a Patrick Dempsey That's vehicle. Right. And American, American Me, too, Holmes. Uh, I'll take your word for it on that. And then he did the um, Rico Suave thing. Then he became an A&R executive at Interscope, was responsible for bringing Enrique Iglesias to the attention of executives. He also signed rapper Bubba Sparks. You know what I'm saying? Game, game so, recognizes game, huh? Game changer, game recognizer. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think, you know, one thing he knew is, is to 
curate a hit and he knew about star power. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, Enrique Iglesias is a star. Like you said, look at him. He's, 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 he's androgynous. He's a beautiful man. Yeah. He's, yeah, uh, Bubba Sparks has his own charisma. And, and Gerardo, like when you first saw that Rico Suave video, you go, you go, I'm in. I did. You, I mean, it's like watching the right said Fred video. Like I'm in. I'm just, I, I, I'm in. I like what's happening here. You know, and and he poked fun at himself the whole thing. Yeah. So it was it was uh, it didn't have any teeth to it. It was harmless. No, 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 no. These these are these acts are cartoon characters. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And boy, he had his you know he had his rap style. I look at I mean, like he's, I mean, he ushered in the whole ad way. Man, there's Gerardo. There's Matt. this song. I feel like I'm always bringing this thing up, and it doesn't mean anything to anybody but me. But I did a cross country trip in the '90s, and me and my buddy, we had this cardboard box of cassettes and we'd listen to all of them so many times that you would stop even caring which one you picked you just dig your hand in and pull a cassette in and stick it in our 82 oldsmobile and one night one dark uh and and moon-filled night in idaho my buddy stuck his hand into the box and put a tape in and it was this song that was a gerardo ripoff wrapped in in spanish that had this chorus that was it was very, it was inspector knocking and it was very similar to like, kind of like the inspector gadget theme song. It was alternating between like Gerardo style verses and that. And I have, we lost the cassette a couple days later and never heard it before, never heard it since. And for the life of me, I can't figure out what the fuck it was. And I actually think I shared a, uh, a mutual hallucination with my friend cause we were smoking so much shitty weed. I, I'm I'm dying to know who that was. What year was that? Uh, this would have been ninety six. So it would have been a single, probably. No, no, no singles were passed then. Um, like, I don't think. Dang, I don't even I'm, think I, this thing was released in America. Like I seriously think somehow a tape made its way north of the border to Idaho and like slipped like like a uh, what do you call the uh, oh venom in Spider Man. Like venomed its way into our car. It makes no right. I got it. Yeah, and maybe it was like an extreme hallucination. You've been driving a long time, and, and yet you, I'm trying to like. You could put there's a band called Trace Delinquent. Yeah, you could put me and my buddy so. in a, in a recording studio, like separate from one another, and ask us to recreate this song. And I swear to God, we will both give you the exact <laughs> same recording. <laughs> you played piqued my interest. Was it a hit? The song you're talking about? No, it was about? the worst piece of garbage I've ever heard in my entire life. But it drives me. But it hasn't. It keeps me up at night. One of these days, I will find you, Inspector Knockin. For now, uh, we have to go. I can hear your people talking in the background. I'm, You've got to be kidding! I've, I've heard mine intermittently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got to go. But hey, the good news that is, was my son. The good news is, we're both stuck in our house forever, so we could do this again soon. It. Anytime, Tully. Anytime, my brother. People can find you on Cameo. They can still listen to uh, Mark McGrath's 120 and. Uh, yeah. And on Twitter at Mark underscore McGrath and Instagram at uh, the real Mark McGrath. So check me out. Man. Beautiful. Love you, buddy. We will be uh, talking soon. You too, brother. Stay safe. Much love to the family. Thank you. You too. Take care, bro.